things are not always what they seem, I think, including in Jesus' parables. What is the point of the story that Jesus told this morning, the story of the talents? You know, the easy answer to that is that Jesus wants us to use what is precious for his work. And that's probably why they use the word talent. And it's moved from describing that precious New Testament Greek to describing the precious abilities or skills in American English. But there's a much deeper meaning to this parable. You see, a talent was the largest measure of money in Jesus' day. And really, it equaled the total wages of an ordinary person from between 15 to 38 years. And yet, two of the servants in our parable this morning went out and risked that money by making investments. What if they would have lost the money? What would their boss say then? But it's that last servant, the one that does nothing with the boss's money, who gets punished. Often you and I are most like that last person. We may not take risks for God with our abilities because we're afraid. First of all, we're afraid because we might fail. That condemns servant in verse 24 says, I was afraid and I hid that talent in the ground. See here is what belongs to you. By burying this money, the servant thought that uh, it was at least safe. But he really was disobeying his boss. The servant had been given a talent to use it, not to dig a hole and bury it. But the servant was afraid, secondly, that he would have to work. And in verse 26 of, this, uh, of our text, the boss says, You wicked, lazy servant. Does either adjective sound familiar? You or I won't try to use a skill or an ability that God gave us because we might fall flat on our face or we don't like to be embarrassed when we fail, or we may just simply be lazy, and we want to be receivers rather than givers. And for those and other reasons, we may not take the risk with our talents and with our abilities. And as a result, they don't get used very often. That's our problem. You see, God has given them to us to put them in use for him. And when we don't like or we don't use our talents, our ability for the Lord, it's a sin. You see, Jesus took on the risk for the cross or of the cross for us. If we look at what the writer to the Hebrews says in, in chapter 12, verse 2, he says, let us fix our eyes on Jesus the author and the perfecter of our faith, who for the joy set before him endured the cross, scorning its shame, and sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. What did Jesus risk? 
first of all, to be crucified on a cross was considered a disgrace. His people, the Jews, would have to get over that shame before they could consider believing in him as the promised Savior. But Jesus took that risk. But Jesus also took the risk with the rest of the world. Namely, that we are free to reject Jesus as a way in which God, our Heavenly Father, restores our relationship of life forever with him. You see, God forces no one to believe in him. When Jesus went to the cross, he knew that many would not believe in him as that God-man Savior. And yet, he took the risk. Because it was through this singular means that the Holy Spirit could work faith in the hearts of those who trust in him as their Lord and Savior. As a result, Jesus calls us to be faithful and follow him. And when Jesus returns as our master, whether or not it's the day of glory, when we're all waiting for his second coming, or that last hour of our lives on here on earth, we shall be gladdened to hear him say to each of us, well done good and faithful servant. You have been faithful over a few things. I will put you in charge of many. Come, share your master's happiness. And like that servant and empowered by the Holy Spirit, we are enabled to do what we know what Jesus wants us to do with our abilities, even though it means taking a risk. Dr. Shangasar was a professor of the University of Chicago in 1947. And he was scheduled twice a week during the winter to teach an advanced seminar in astrophysics. And because there were only two students enrolled, most people expected the professor just to cancel the course because he lived in Wisconsin. And after all, it was winter. But for the sake of two students, he came each week to teach that class. He commuted a hundred miles round trip to the backwoods or, or to the back roads in the dead of winter. And his students, Shen Ying Yang and Tung Dao Li, did their homework. They benefited from their professor risking his talents only on two people. And in 1957, those two individuals won the Nobel Peace Prize for physics. In 1983, so did Dr. Shanghai. For a faithful teacher, there is no such thing as a small class. For a faithful Christian, there is no such thing as a too, too small a way to use your talent for the Lord. There are many references in the New Testament to teach us that the Holy Spirit gives us the abilities, the talents to be used for God's work. And that's what verse 14 says the boss did. He puts the servants in charge of what he has, or what was his, 
each according to his ability. What about your ability? You see, God calls us to use the talents in all of our lives in service to others and to the glory of God. What is our responsibility of God's work here at Ascension? I've heard that there were 63% of our congregation is elderly. We have many members who are retired. And perhaps you have a temptation to say, well, I've done that before. I have served on boards and committees. Now it's time to let the younger generation take over. I want to ask you a very personal question. Do you know what God's retirement program is? It's when he calls you, or when you're six feet under, then you can stop. When he calls you to heaven, then we can stop doing the work that God has given us to do. And to those in our congregation who are younger and are busy with their jobs and their families, you need to take the time to use your talents as well. Not only in the place of work, but also in the God's kingdom in the church with others to do the work that God wants us to get accomplished. We have this kind of exciting time talking to our prospective pastors. And we pray that as we call one, uh, we call that one of them will accept. But it's my prayer that we will be going in all cylinders when whoever God calls arrives. And so when you are asked to help out in one way or another, don't quickly say no. Get somebody else. Let George do it but pray and do what you can to continue the work that God has given us all to do. There are some times, remember, we are living in a sinful world. And being a pastor for a long time, I recognize that the church at times are, is very weak in saying thank you. I appreciate what you're doing. But we seem to Go the other way, when someone makes a mistake, we let them hear about it in no uncertain terms. And then we wonder why no one wants to, to do the work. But we are in, in tasked together as God's people here, doing what God has given to us, using our talents for the good of his kingdom. When that happens, what then? You see, Jesus' example and his words point us in that right direction of the result. Jesus goes to the cross, and he serves for the joy. In Hebrews, he says, the boss says to that faithful servant, come, come in and share my joy. It's the joy of Jesus in which we can share when we use our talents for God's purposes. How can you and I bring out the best in our talents our abilities for our Savior. 
Jesus in a way in which the Heavenly Father brought out the best in person. When we seek to use our talents and our abilities to build up the church, including helping our neighbors in need and in other ways, we will receive the joy of investing ourselves. I would like to challenge each and every one of you this morning. As you look back over the life that you have spent and are spending, and God gives you another day, a new day, that you would recognize that day as a gift. And you pray to him, Lord, open a door so that I can serve you today. Amen. Now may the peace of God that surpasses all human understanding keep your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. Amen.